You were never meant to create this way. Caged by shame that whispers, you're not good enough, you're not doing enough, you will never be successful. No, you were born to create with wild and abundant joy, with reckless abandon, unfettered feeling, and the easy peace of unshakable assurance. Here at Wildmaking, we're reclaiming this birthright together, untaming our art and rewilding our relationships with our creative work. I'm your host, author and creative wellness coach, Kristen Kiefer. Let's get started. Hi, friends. If you've been following the podcast for a while now, or really any of my work online, you've probably heard me use this phrase about being in better, loving relationship with yourself and with your art. Sometimes I use different versions of this phrase. I might just allude to being in better relationship with yourself and your art, just focused on one of those two aspects. But in one form or another, I use this phrase a lot. And it only occurred to me recently that I've never really explained exactly what I mean when I talk about being in relationship with yourself and your art. I've never explained why I choose to talk about and view the self and art through the lens of relationship. Why relationship in particular? And so that's what I want to talk to you about, not only today, but next week as well. Because today I would love for us to focus on what I mean when I talk about being in relationship with yourself And then next week, we'll talk about being in relationship with your art. Sound good? So let's go ahead and dive in, okay? So the way that I see it, there are two voices inside of our heads, inside of all of our heads, pretty much all of the time. If you have been involved at all in the self-development or spiritual worlds, you might have heard of these voices as being defined as like the higher level and lower level thinking. And that is what I am talking about here, but I don't love those terms. I think higher and lower as words have these connotations that make us think that one is better and one is lesser than, right? There's a little bit of a hierarchy and a power structure to those words that whether or not that's what certain people mean when they talk about higher and lower level thinking, I think automatically our our brains tend to go to that place. And so for that reason, I don't love these terms. The terms that I prefer to use instead are your instinctive self and your intentional self or your instinctive voice, your instinctive thinking, and your intentional voice or your intentional thinking. So using these terms, allow me to go ahead and explain what's going on here, what I'm talking about. So your instinctive self is the domain of your unintentional, unconscious thoughts, those thoughts that you don't even really realize that you're having until all of them sudden you kind of come into the awareness of them, they were already happening inside of your brain. Your instinctive self tends to be a very primal voice, a very animal voice. It is the part of you that is really concerned with your safety. In essence, these are the thoughts that arise from what your nervous system is experiencing, right? And so when it comes to 
achieving big things, doing scary things, your instinctive self, if it had a motto in that situation, would be better the pain we know than the pain of the unknown, right? Your instinctive self would rather deal with staying small and not really doing what you actually want to do simply because it knows that the situation that you're currently in, even if you're unhappy with it, even if you're dissatisfied with it, is at the very least something that you can survive. Whereas the future and uncertainty and big vision comes with a lot of risk. And your instinctive self does not want to deal with that at all. It favors your survival over your joy. On the other hand, we have your intentional self. Your intentional self is the domain of your conscious, intentional thoughts. This is really the voice of what I like to call your inner visionary more often than not. This is the part of you that is really concerned with joy and fulfillment. This is the part of you that dreams big. This is also the part of you that has a more, more often than not anyway, perhaps a more logical voice. So if your instinctive self is saying some things that, you know, having a lot of doubts, having a lot of fear, your intentional self might be in dialogue with your instinctive self and say like, hey buddy, no, it's all right. We're going to be okay. We can do this, right? That would be your intentional self as well. And so when it comes to pursuing your big creative dreams, your big visions, your intentional self is all in. If it had a mantra in this situation, it would be give me liberty or give me death. <laughs> it would rather swing, shoot for the stars and miss than just not try at all. Make sense? And so your intentional self wants you to lead a big, bold, exciting life, but it may disregard your safety and some practical concerns in an effort to achieve this goal, which isn't always the wisest thing to do. And so because your instinctive and intentional selves serve different purposes, they can often be at odds. Often what they want for you, survival or thriving, don't exactly mix. Of course, they absolutely can, and that is what we are all aiming for in life, I do think, I do believe. But sometimes, because they require different... Because, you know, one is so concerned with your safety, and one is concerned with doing big, scary things, they can really seem like they are at odds, right? And the first thing that I want to say here about your instinctive and intentional selves is that neither one of them is wrong. Neither one of them is lesser than, broken, or not enough. No part of them needs to be overcome, fixed, ignored in favor of the other, right? And this is why I don't love those terms higher and lower level thinking because they tend to imply that that more base, more animal part of you, that intentional, nope, that instinctive self that is so concerned with your safety and tends to be a little bit more insecure, a little bit afraid, it tends to have doubts, it tends to, you know, maybe be prone to anger or jealousy or comparison or unwanted behaviors like procrastination or perfectionism. The term lower level thinking kind of implies that that part of you is lesser than that it's something that you do need to fix or overcome to achieve what you want to achieve. And I want to make it clear here and now that there is nothing, 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 not a single thing wrong with your instinctive 
self. Yes, it tends to produce a lot of doubts because it wants you to think twice before you act in a way that might be dangerous. Yes, it tends to have a lot of fears because it knows that it's not safe for you to show up every which way in this world and do everything that your, you know, impulsive brain might come up with. And so it wants you to, again, think twice. And it is not wrong for doing so. On the other hand, sometimes it, your intentional self, you know, you're, you're just because the the self-development and spiritual worlds tend to call your intentional self higher level thinking, which tends to have this connotation that it's better in some way, that's the thing that you should want to live by more in some way, doesn't actually mean that your intentional self always knows what's going on and that you should always pursue it, right? Sometimes your intentional self comes up with these really, really wild, impulsive plans, Sometimes its plans are way ridiculous, way impractical, and they need to be checked. They need to be thought through more. They need to be grounded in a little bit of a sense of safety and security as well. And so that part of you, while not always being better, is not wrong either. Your big dreams, your wild visions, they're not wrong either. No part of you is wrong No part of you is broken. No part of you is lesser than. No part of you needs to be fixed. You simply have a voice in your head that is instinctive and wants to keep you safe and a voice inside of your head that is intentional and wants you to thrive. And you need both of those things on your side. Both of these selves within you, these voices, these thoughts have incredible value to offer. When you bring these parts of yourself into loving relationship, you learn not only how to survive, but thrive in this world. The trouble, unsurprisingly, if you have been listening to the podcast for a while now, lies with your internalized shame stories. So in a sense, there's kind of this third part of you that lives within you that in times of conflict between your instinctive and intentional selves, mediates between them, mediates between these two voices in your head. And I think of this part of you as your ego. If your ego is secure, if it, you know, is kind of bolstered by a lot of empowering beliefs that you have stepped into, then it can frequently help you make the most loving, the wisest choices when mediating between your intentional and instinctive selves. It can, it knows when your instinctive self knows what's best. It knows when your intentional self knows what's best. It knows when there needs to be a little bit of compromise between the two. A secure ego is not perfect. It does not mediate perfectly. You are still a human being no matter what, no matter how many empowering beliefs you have on your side. But more often than not, it helps you make really loving choices for yourself. Even if that makes means taking a big scary step or a step back in search of self-care right? Or, alternatively, your ego can be insecure. It can be really wounded, it can be really hurt and terribly afraid and really held back by all of these internalized shame stories that you have adopted since birth that tell you that you are not enough, that there is something wrong and broken about you, that you need to prove your worth in order to be good enough. And when your ego is 
more often insecure than it's not, two things are likely to happen. First, you're likely to shame your instinctive self for its doubts, for its fears, for your unwanted behaviors, your uncomfortable emotions. You're likely to tell yourself that you are wrong for, say, procrastinating your creative work, right? Or wrong for comparing your art to somebody else's and feeling a little bit jealous or a little bit insecure. You're likely to tell yourself that you're wrong for being angry or fired up about something, that you need to calm down, right? That like nobody wants to read art that's infused with that kind of like anger, right? Or maybe that your art is too much or not enough in one way or another. When you are operating from a place of shame and your ego is quite insecure, you're probably going to tell yourself that you're wrong, that you're a problem, that you need to like get your shit together and start conquering all of your hot mess, all of your doubt, all of your fear, all of your unwanted behaviors. If you're ever going to make it, if you're ever going to be good enough. So in this way, your insecure ego and insecure ego makes the instinctive self a problem. It reinforces the internalized shame that you've already adopted, right? You've already internalized that says that there's something wrong with you that needs to be overcome. And the second thing that an insecure ego does is that it demeans your intentional self for its desires and gaslights you into believing that what you should really want is actually aiming for X, Y, or Z so you can earn your worth, right? So maybe you really want to pursue a creative career, but your insecure ego demeans that and says, that is so impractical. That is so ridiculous. You're not talented enough. You're never going to make it. What you should really want is a nine to five boring ass job at some cubicle, in some cubicle for some corporate corporation, corporate corporation, great language there. I know how to talk, (laughs) but you get my point, right? Or maybe what you really want is to take a break, a day off from creating because you're a little bit burnt out, but your insecure ego might say wanting that means you're going to fall behind. What you should really want is self-discipline. What you should really want is to continue working hard because if you let yourself rest, then you are going to fall behind. Other people are going to get further than you, faster than you. They're going to snap up all the opportunities for creative success that you want. They're going to finish that same story that you're both writing and they're going to get it published first and then you won't be able to publish yours. They're going to whatever, right? They're going to succeed before you do. Those are just two examples of how an insecure ego might demean what your intentional self envisions for you and tell it that it's wrong for what it wants. Tell it that it needs to be aiming for something else instead so that it can be good enough. So that you can be good enough. And when you're living and operating from a place of shame, your insecure ego means that you're not going to be in very loving relationship with yourself. You're probably going to have a really destructive inner critic. Everything will feel heavy and hard. Your doubts will seem to weigh in from all sides and feel like a trap that you can't escape. And this is why I'm so passionate about the work of unshaming. 
Because when you do the work of unshaming, you can begin to cultivate a secure ego for yourself and a more loving relationship with yourself. You can begin to view your instinctive self not as lesser than or wrong in any sort of way, but as the part of you that protects itself in the best way that it knows how at any given time. And when you have that awareness, that understanding, that your instinctive self just wants to protect you, that all of your unwanted behaviors, those uncomfortable thoughts, those uncomfortable emotions are just your instinctive self trying to protect you, through that lens, you can begin to sit with your uncomfortable thoughts without judging them, to sit with your uncomfortable emotions without making them a problem. You can begin to recognize your unwanted behaviors and view them not as being the thing that means that you're not good enough, but as a, a, a way that your body is trying to love you, which doesn't mean that you can't change that behavior and show up differently. In fact, you can begin to look at your unwanted behaviors with curiosity rather than judgment and then teach your nervous system, teach your instinctive self that it is safe for you to show up differently. Slowly but surely, you can expand your nervous system's comfort zone and begin to step away from unwanted behaviors and into the behaviors that are going to serve you in achieving whatever that beautiful, intentional, visionary brain of yours has in mind. On that note, similarly through the work of unshaming, you can begin to uncover and actualize what that true genius of your intentional self, your inner visionary, really, really wants. You can stop trying to earn your worth through external achievement, through pursuing unhealthy validation, validation from a really destructive place, right? You can stop doing what you think you should all the time in order to be good enough whether that's inside of your creative practice or outside of it, and you can start doing more of what truly lights you up from the inside out. You can do more of what you really want even when it scares you. You can take brave steps, recognizing that just because you feel a bit insecure, that doesn't mean that you aren't capable. That just because you feel afraid doesn't mean that you can't do it. That just because you have doubts doesn't mean that you can't achieve what you want to achieve. That, that something's wrong with you. That there's a problem. You can start doing more of whatever it is that you want. And so by being in better loving relationship with yourself, by practicing that, because it is very much a skill, you can begin to release those old shame stories, bring your intentional and instinctive selves into better balance, right? And when you do that, as you practice that, everything becomes easier. Everything becomes lighter, the world looks a little brighter, and of course, you love yourself a little better. And so all of this is why I love to think of myself as being in relationship with myself. And in doing so, just like if you're in a relationship with a friend or a partner, your person is not a problem. You are not a problem. You simply work together to tackle any problems you might be facing or to achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve together. 
This is the beauty of being in relationship with yourself. And this is the possibility of what lies before you when you see yourself as being in relationship with yourself. And next week, we'll talk about being in relationship with your art. Sound like a plan? I I can't wait to share what I have to share with you next week. So excited for that. Make sure to check back in and subscribe if you haven't already, so you'll be the first to know when that's available. Um, But until then, happy creating and shine on, my friends. Thank you for listening to today's Wild Making. If this episode felt like coming home to yourself as an artist or a maker, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing to help this podcast reach a wider audience of creatives like yourself. And for more on untaming your art, be sure to check out my current coaching offers and subscribe to receive weekly wisdom-packed emails in your inbox for free at kristinkiefer.co. Cool? Until next time, shine on, my friend.